Let's get down to business. Welcome to Profits and Purpose, a Colorado Business Roundtable production that unapologetically tells the story that business is good through conversations with Colorado's business leaders. Please welcome your host, the president of the Colorado Business Roundtable, Debbie Brown. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Profits and Purpose, production of Colorado Business Roundtable. And we're in, a, in the middle of a series actually talking about Profits and Purpose with Colorado's top nonprofit CEOs. And today I'm really excited to welcome Janice Sinden to the podcast, the president and CEO of the Denver Center for the Performing Arts. Welcome, Janice. Thank you for having me, Debbie. I am excited to talk with you because I don't think that we've connected since the pandemic and all the fallout from COVID-19, of course, in terms of the health ramifications, but then um, also the economic effects as well. So really excited to hear more about what your journey has been like the last year and a half. But before I delve into that, Janice, I know you've got such an interesting past in different leadership roles throughout Colorado I'd love for you to just tell us more about your story and how you ended up becoming CEO of the DCPA. Great. Well, I'm a fourth generation Coloradan, um, proud ag family. Uh, we had a dairy farm and steamboat and my mom's family is the Eastern Plains of Colorado. So uh, really take pride in being from this beautiful state. I graduated from the University of Northern Colorado with a degree in political science. And three days after I graduated, my cat and I got in my car and I went to work for Senator Wayne Allard. Um, I worked for him for four years. I got to do a lot of really fun amazing things from um, helping him start the Senate Renewable and Energy Efficiency Caucus to cleaning up and closing down Rocky Flats. So he really um, launched my career and gave me a lot of exposure to all that government can offer. Um, So it was a really neat experience and um, did a few things in between, but most notably, I had the wonderful opportunity to be the um, head of Colorado Concern, which was a business, which is a business organization. Um, We did a a lot of interesting things from starting um, Epic, which is executives partnering to invest in children, to really trying to help address the Gordian knot um, that we face in our fiscal policy at the state, and had a total shift in career direction, um, was invited to be Denver Mayor Michael Hancock's chief of staff right after he was elected, and did that for about five years. So I've worked for a conservative Republican and a progressive Democrat, and worked on business issues in between, and And then um, when Dan Ritchie was ready to um, hand the reins over at the Denver Center for the Performing Arts, I was invited to apply. And five years ago, I accepted this amazing role. So now I'm in the arts. And um, I think what I offer this organization is a lot of understanding around um, organizational management and how to really be a meaningful part of our community. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. Well, and I, I just think there's so many interesting themes there in terms of problem solving and leadership and understanding the dynamic, the dynamic role that all of us play together, whether we're in business, government, academia, or philanthropy. You know, it's really this, uh, you know, how do we bring people together to have a stronger Colorado? And now you're running, you know, a very iconic organization that means a lot to people here. Thank you. Yeah, it's an honor every day. Tell me more about, before we jump into COVID and challenges and some of those other questions, tell me more about the Denver Center for Performing Arts. Of course, I 
am a customer of what you do and, and an enthusiast of the arts and I'm, I'm sure missed, you know, experiencing it more regularly, but tell me more about the organization sort of pre-COVID. Sure. So the Denver Center for the Performing Arts was opened um, its first three theaters on New Year's Eve 1979. And it was really uh, the culmination of a dream from philanthropist, Denver Post owner, and Broadway star Helen G. Bonfies. Um, She put her wealth in a foundation to really advance the mission of live theater in Denver and Colorado. And so upon her death in 1972, um, the gentleman who had been by her side through her life professionally, Donald Stuhl, uh, really helped her dream become reality and worked with uh, the city and county of Denver to take the 12-acre arts complex and make it a fine arts center, the home of the Colorado Symphony, Opera Colorado, the Colorado Ballet, and the Denver Center for the Performing Arts. So on the complex, we have eight theaters. The only theater that the DCPA is not in is Better Concert Hall, which is the home of the symphony, but um, the four resident companies share the other space. And we do anywhere from 40 plus shows a year um, to another 20 or so different types of community events and children's programming. You know, last year, not to jump ahead of you in COVID, but, you know, we had to cancel 40 shows. And, you know, overall, the impact between events, education programs and whatnot, we canceled 5,000 performances and programs. So just to give you an overview of the magnitude of events that we do in a year. Um, we sell up to a million tickets, um, have an economic impact in a really strong year, up to $200 million. So we generate a lot of economic activity for the region. And I will say um, one of the um, prides and joy that we have in our region is the SCFD, the Scientific Cultural and Facilities District, which was um, really founded in the value of supporting a strong, vibrant arts culture. And that organization funds more than 300 arts organizations in the seven county metro and we're a recipient of it the denver zoo the botanic gardens you know the list is long cleo parker robinson dance um sue teatro there's many different cultural organizations and so they have really been the lifeline for many of us um, over the last 18 months but we're strong and coming back so we've <laughs> show season um, we'll kick off the buell theater with the lion king for five weeks followed by hamilton for five weeks and we'll open the, the newly renovated Wolf Theater with a Christmas Carol on Thanksgiving weekend. So um, we're hopeful we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Well, and you said the magic word Hamilton. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta get online and see if there's a ticket this time. There you go. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's gonna be. It's a wonderful way to bring people back for sure. So. Well, I love, um, I do feel like people are feeling like there is a light at the end of the tunnel, you know, as folks have gotten vaccinated or we're, we're learning more um, with the with the vaccines that we have. Go back, though, to to some of the challenges early on. You know, what was that like facing those challenges in terms of being shut down and canceling performances? I know that as a leader, probably this was I suspect one of the most challenging times you've had in kind of your leadership role, even though you've had really tough positions before, but tell me more about what that was like for you and for the organization. 
Thank you. So March 13th was the day that I think we'll all remember, um, especially in our generation. You know, we had a lot of things on the horizon. It was set to be probably the record-breaking year for the Denver Center. And um, we immediately sent um, 96 artists home that were on contract. Uh, So they went, they left without work. Um, We furloughed 130 employees, um, many of whom are finally just coming back. Um, They've been furloughed for a year and a half and uh, we eliminated almost 40 positions and so we went from at the lowest point 300 staff members to 35 and the 35 were um, critical Um, not that everybody on our team isn't but when we didn't have theater on our stages we had to make incredibly difficult decisions about who could help keep our venues safe and we were in the middle of our largest renovation project Um, we just completed a 54 million dollar renovation of the Bonfils Theater Complex and that's the silver lining of this story is that we were able to turn the Bonfils Theater Complex over to Turner Construction and say keep going and just get that renovation done so that when we welcome audiences back they'll come to beautiful new theaters that'll really um, give them something to look forward to so my heart has broken um, just about every single day uh, watching these incredibly talented artists and professionals figure out how to shift you know picking up work um, wherever they can. Some taught, some moved out of state for a period of time, some went to work for the state. Uh, So they're trying to figure out how to utilize their transferable skills um, to keep uh, themselves afloat. And so we're back and we're building back. Um, I would say, you know, the federal relief programs really gave us the jumpstart so that we can rehire. Um, And you're probably hearing this story with every employer you're talking to. Uh, The hire back is hard. Um, People have made a lot of different decisions about their life. You know, we are an evening and weekend um, employer. You know, people want to come and see shows after work and on their free time. And a lot of our folks have said, I really want to be home with my family. So we tried to adjust as best we can with telecommuting policies, work-life balance protocols, saying let's really look at how we're not taking advantage of people. And we also fell behind in benchmarking. You know, this is a reality. We didn't have any earned income. We still don't have earned income until we put the first show up this fall. And so a lot of it is um, good faith that we're going to, we're going to come back strong. Um, But with that comes really difficult decisions. We announced last week, a mandatory vaccination and mask policy for people to join us in the theater. And we know how hard that is. Um, But I would just um, give this analogy, the Lion King, we're going to have grandpas and grandmas and moms and dads and kids in the theater. Kids are not eligible. Little kids are not eligible for a vaccination yet. And our older population, we need to do everything we can to keep them healthy and safe. So while this feels like a conservative policy for now, it's really the way in which we can come back and hopefully allow people to feel safe in the theater. So um, tough choices. Um, And, you know, I'm a person that never thought I'd tell anybody what they needed to do to come to theater. But these are some of the right now steps that we have to take um, to ensure our reopening. Well, and I appreciate that candidness about how hard COVID was, you know, in particular for an organization that relies on people in seats, tickets being sold. Um, But to hear about the silver lining and your plans for fall is incredibly energizing to know how we can help spread the word, you know, about theater being open and live performances, 
How are you feeling? It sounds like you are optimistic going forward that you've put some things in place that will help you to thrive going into 2022. It, okay. it, does that kind of sum it up, Janice? It does. Um, I think that uh, we work together as an arts complex. And um, so the symphony and the opera and the ballet, along with us, have really tried to stand in solidarity so that our patrons have a predictable predictable experience upon their return to theater. Um, And that will make every accommodation we can for folks if they need a refund because they, you know, aren't able to join us or they want to donate their ticket, we'll take that as well. But um, again, announcing 30 shows to bring us back just gives me such joy and um, again I've done lots of tours of our newly renovated theaters and so I've gotten to be in the spaces and it just um, I I had Gil Boggs from the ballet and Greg Carpenter from the opera over to see the renovation and I watched Gil in, from the ballet pirouetting across our new stage and I'm like oh my gosh I cannot wait you know I just I want the the children to be back and um, and gosh I would say Debbie that theater brings people together I mean, where else in the world do you share an armrest with a perfect stranger and receive a beautiful story that may challenge the way you think or whatnot? But um, I just can't wait for people to be back together as a community. So, Well, and especially I was thinking about how Colorado is so unique because most of the times, it feels like most of the time we're a collaborative kind of, we're a feisty state, but we're collaborative and we want to stick together and we want to work together. And there's so much that's dividing people mm-hmm. right now. So I do I do really believe that, Janice, that what you're doing is something that can bring people together again, you know, celebrate how far we've come, celebrate being together, and to some degree could be really what Colorado needs to kind of move through this difficult time. Thank you. Yeah. Um, And laughter. Oh, my gosh. Like we shut down and provide Shakespeare in our small cabaret theater and we're bringing it back. The set is still on the stage because we literally shut down. So if you need to just laugh, I mean, that's the other part of this is sometimes theater is simply entertainment, you know, where you have a, a cold drink and a best friend and you're sitting in the theater and just the raw entertainment that can also come is also something I think we need right now. A little humor will go a long way. (laughs) It really will. It really will. Well, and I'd love to go back um, to talk a little bit about some of the new programs you were putting into place before COVID. I know that we had talked about when when we met each other on a trip to D.C. one time and such a transformational leadership from you and thinking about how theater can be accessible to more people and, you know, reaching out into the community. And I'm curious how you're uh, you know, maybe it's not top of mind today, but how are you reaching back out to some of those transformor- transformative goals that you had as CEO? Thank you. So, um, you know, we moved from strategic planning, which an organization will do over and over again, to a recovery plan. And part of what we committed to as an organization is that recovery means we will not come back to what we were, that this is the once in a lifetime opportunity to do things differently. So we've really taken a look at a lot of our practices. Um, What shows are we picking? What stories are we telling? Are we doing any harm by telling stories that maybe just don't need to be told in this time? Who's in the room that gets to help pick the stories, the the plays? What is the composition of the artistic team? Who works at the Denver Center? Who's in the theater? So this last 18 months has really given us an opportunity to reflect on who's brought us to this wonderful place that we're at. And then my favorite word is and 
who is not in the room, who needs to be here, who doesn't feel that this is a place that's either accessible or inviting to them and why. And so how can we start to change that environment for our internal as well as our, our external partners? And so a lot of work has got into that. And some of it will take a long time. You know, it's really um, the rate of change that people can handle as well. And that we do a lot of thoughtful discussion with patrons in the audience as they start to see things feel differently in the theater. And um, if we're doing a land acknowledgement, if we're offering pronouns so people can identify, you know, the way that they show up in the world and how they um, want us to acknowledge them. So we're being really open hearted and um, we're making meaningful change along with a lot of arts organizations across the country. So more to come. Um, I will also say that I'm super proud of the organization for making all of our theaters um, ADA accessible. Um, we did not have an elevator in the bond fees for people with disabilities and it's unacceptable. Now we have them for back of house and front of house and it seems like the simplest thing but it's not. Um, if you can't even get into the theater and you know with dignity then um, we have a lot of work to do. So um, in partnership with the city uh, we're making a lot of improvements on that front as well. Wow and that's that's amazing as a daughter who has a dad with Parkinson's and mobility issues, you know, I would have just assumed you had that. So that's exciting that more people can have access to theater going forward. And I love too, that you're thinking about, um, you know, I think about the disruption with COVID, uh, you know, so much of it is, is horrible, but then there's the, the shining, um, the shining light at the end of it is some disruption can be really about opportunity. So I like that you're turning it a little bit on its head and thinking about how do we come out of this differently with a different mindset, because that's what leaders do, I think, in Colorado. Thank you. Yeah, it's been extraordinary and challenging at times. You know, there's lots of questions, but questions mean people care. So bring them. Bring the questions. (laughs) Bring them on. Well, with that, I'm I'm honored that you're going to be a part of our View from the Top event that we have coming up in a few weeks. And uh, you know, some of these are such great questions to sort of compare notes with other nonprofit CEOs. And the theme of our event really is about profits and purpose and how they go hand in hand. And, and sometimes I think because I represent a lot of um, private sector employers as well, there's sort of this theory that, you know, perhaps the business community is only in it for themselves. And, and we know that we're all interconnected in terms of profits and purpose. And, and I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, Janice, and how you work with the business community to fulfill your mission. We are absolutely dependent on the entire community, depending on uh, the, so we have a lot of corporate partners, we have a lot of other nonprofit partners, and then we have a lot of philanthropy support as well. And all of it makes this amazing engine run. And I would say that what um, corporations can do by supporting a nonprofit mission like ours, you know, our mission is to engage and inspire through the transformative power of live theater. And so when the organization um, whether it's Sage Hospitality or, you know, Cigna Healthcare, whoever the partner might be, um, they're ensuring that we are able to engage community. We bring art into the classroom. We bring art into the community. I mean, we're in parks and libraries and nursing homes and hospitals where children may be sick for long care stay. So we really try to be part of the um, the, the bring together um, uh, light in the community and we couldn't do it without our corporate, corporate partners. Um, and we have to show our, our worth. You know, we're competing against lots and lots of other arts organizations. And so it keeps us accountable uh, to the investments that 
that they make in us as well. Um, but they also love it. Just like if you go to the Rockies or you go to the Broncos, we have, you know, lots of corporate opportunities for folks to entertain as well. And so it's good for them to warm the heart of their staffs and their members and their clients as well. So we love that we can provide um, that team building um, for a lot of corporations in our community as well. So that's perfect. And if folks are listening to the podcast, we'll put this in the little description too, but where would they go to find out more about how to have corporate partnerships? It's very simple, denvercenter.org. And we have a really comprehensive list of everything from single ticket sales to um, corporate member nights and everything in between. And then we'll get to see you pirouette along the stage as part of the, the grand opening. There you go. <laughs> or there was somebody else you mentioned. That's right. Gil from the ballet. He does it better than anyone. So nice, nice. Yeah. Well, thank you for your incredible leadership during this time, Debbie. Well, and I appreciate it, Janice. Thanks again for being on our panel in a few weeks and for talking with us today on our podcast, uh, Profits and Purpose with Colorado Business Roundtable. This has been a presentation of the Colorado Business Roundtable. Be sure to check out all of our episodes on Podcatchers Everywhere at cobrt.com. Our technical producer is John Ekstrom and Deaf Communications. Thank you for listening to Profits and Purpose.